and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I am talking with Gilbert Angriano of the Mind Buzz podcast. Thanks for being here, Gil. I hope I've got your name right. No, you did. That was perfect. Thanks, oh, Marv, for having me on. That's fine. That's great. So how were you introduced to podcasting? Podcasting. Okay, so Marv, how, how do you like... Um, How's the whole like uh, censorship on your show? I know my show is is anything goes cursing. I mean, I I do talk about uh, drugs, so I just wanted to uh, to ask you about that first before I get started. <laughs> I um, <clears throat> I have a host of different sounds to be able to cover up uh, any curse words. Oh, okay, great. Um, well then, uh. I started podcasting in my head for about 10 years. So okay. I, <laughs> that's always been a kind of, um, you know, like a, a hobby that I've always wanted to get into because I've, I've played music. Um, I love listening to music. I love recording music. I love writing and reading. So when I start to listen to podcasts out here, um, I just got this deep feeling within myself that, you know, this is something that I can probably get into. So, of course, everybody out here, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but um, Joe Rogan is well known um, yes. over here. So, I mean, around the world, right? So, I watched a couple of his shows. And one stood out in particular to me, and that was the podcast where he had uh, Dennis McKenna, uh, brother of Terrence McKenna. And they were talking about the stoned ape theory, which that kind of threw me into a rabbit hole of all these different uh, types of theories of psychedelic mushrooms of uh, DMT, of all that types of stuff. So after watching that and just being mind blown about the stoned ape theory, I kind of um, went into this rabbit hole of, of trying to find what a psychedelic experience was and what is it and just engulfed myself into the history of uh, lysergic acid, diethylamide, LSD, and all the other types of books around uh, magic mushrooms. And I read Terrence McKenna's stuff and it just, it just awed me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast about, uh, you know, the psychedelic experience. But as I was writing my scripts and all that stuff, and it, it kind of evolved more than that more than uh you know psychedelics it had and and if you listen to my show um it's prevalent in my show that i do talk about uh you know motivating yourself and reading and keeping educated and listening to yourself and just going above and beyond to what your uh what you can do and I mean, all, all that positive vibes and 
positive stuff that I like to project in my, in my show. So it kind of, it evolved definitely. Okay. So how would you describe your show? Um, my show it's, it's evolved from, from psychedelics and, um, the history of psychedelics. And then it, it kind of evolved in right now. I'm, I'm actually doing a lot of uh, educational stuff and pretty much the stuff that your teachers wouldn't teach you in school is pretty much what I wanted. I wanted to cover. So anything that uh, you didn't get uh, teached in school go ahead and go over to the mind buzz. You'll learn lots of cool stuff and maybe stuff that you've already learned, but maybe another tidbit that you didn't. Okay. So um, when you do your show, what sort of research do you do for the show? Or do you just come at it without any planning? Do do you use research? Um, Research. um, So pretty much it, I don't have like a set, um, you know, code of conduct that that i i try to put my show on it it just kind of happens if if i think about a topic um as for instance i'm working on right now is i'm working on the band books of um of america and uh what books have been banned what books have i read have you read or any of my listeners have read that are, are banned and why would they be banned if they were on the curriculum already? So normally I, I pick a topic. I try to, you know, research my topic as much as I can. Um, I have a few books, um, you know, in my library that I have here at home that, um, that I read into. And then I kind of just go back and forth. I, I try to look at both sides of the story on each of these topics. So uh, you might seem that it might seem that I'm going back and forth on my point of views, which I, I tend to do. So um, it, it's kind of a, you know, research for, for both myself and the listener. Okay. So how do you pick which guest that you have with you to have the discussions with? Um, I do have uh, a wide range of uh, personal friends and coworkers that I I um, I choose from, um, and I want to stop right here and and just thank you, Mar, for um, for having me on the show today. I, I really appreciate that. And That's okay. When <laughs> when I, when I got your 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 message i was like oh wow somebody wants me to be on their podcast that's that's pretty cool so i i feel i feel like um like what my guests feel and and i appreciate it thank you okay and um so going back to to my guests how i i really choose them um i do have a podcast on on women empowerment so I, I thought about that topic and I thought about who in my circle of friends or maybe my circle of friends knows somebody that, that 
that has a, a particular uh, point of view on the topic. And I go, I reach out to them and ask them if they want to be on my podcast. Okay. I know you've only been going for a few months, but are there any standout moments from shows? Standout moments. So I do have an episode called uh, Provoke Your Mind. And okay. with that one, um, it's uh, I do that show with a buddy of mine, uh, Leo. And me and him, it, the reason why it stands out to me, because it, it's not, it wasn't a show that I drafted on a piece of paper or it wasn't something that was a uh, predisposition that I was thinking about. It was kind of just a, let's grab the mics, let's grab the headphones and let's press record and let's see what happens. Let's see where the conversation takes us. And I think those episodes are always fun. They're always fun to do because it's all free, free thoughts and freeing your mind on a mic and those are always fun so that's one of the episodes that stands out to me okay so i think you've already mentioned this but the um so do, do you have a specific way that you that the show goes do you start at one point and follow a certain structure that the that it flows through or do you just let it let the conversation just flow naturally i do a little bit of both marv um and I do have a, I do have a uh, kind of um, rhetoric or a list that I go through and okay. I try to, I, tr I get those points. And if the conversation leads us to another point, I, I kind of just let it flow and let it go within the conversation piece. And then if I feel that if it's, you know, varying off too much, then I try to wrangle the conversation back onto the onto the topic but other than that i kind of let the conversation go into um into wherever it takes us i mean that that's that's some of the funnest um funnest things you can do with podcasting you can just uh keep talking and talking and talking until the cows come home and that's, um that's true yeah getting I mean, as long as your message is there within everything, I, I think it's all gold. And it's all those little f fillers and fluffers and laughs and stuff that you can get from a show. So yeah. You're doing basically the same as me then where I have, as you've noticed, I have like what I call bullet points. So they're right. the ones where I always try to make sure that they are, that those bullet points are hit during the show. But if the conversation veers away, like you said, you just let it let it flow and make sure it doesn't go too far off, and right. that you do always come back to these points. Yeah. Oh so yes, much definitely. the same. Yeah, and I did uh, I did a couple of shows where it was just bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, and I figured that I I went back and listened to it, and I was just like, um, let me let me tweak this a little bit. Let me. Let me change this so that way for next time I can see how it goes. And it, it, it's an ongoing process for me, definitely. Well, that, that brings that's, – that's, that's a very good uh, segue, that is, to how do you edit the show and put it together? Same, same way. Um, you, you said edit, right? Yep. Okay. 
So editing is probably by far one of my favorite parts of, um, of, you know, from research, uh, you get a certain, um, you get in a certain way in researching and then doing the show, you get to, you know, express what you've researched and then right down to the, even the editing part too. I, I find that, um, that when I'm editing, I leave out a couple of things and that's where most of my notes come from is editing. And through the conversation, I get some pretty new ideas or ideas that I wanted to add on to the episode. And I, I take my notes and then within like an editing period of like, an hour I get an idea for like three or four different new topics that I want to cover in different episodes. So uh, editing is great. Like uh, that's pretty much what I do when I, when I edit and I go through, I go, I listen to every show from start to finish minute by minute and trying to get all those ums out of there and all the, ums and pauses and you know all the dogs barking or whatever all those sounds that you don't want your listeners to listen to on on the podcast I I try to get out but I try to leave a little bit to to leave the human element inside inside yeah you want to get rid of all those people using jackhammers in outside and oh yeah (laughs) yeah especially um and and that's where i i learned most of like the the sound technique and the noise reduction techniques i learned them just from 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 doing it i mean you can read all you want on on learning how to do a podcast and editing a podcast but until you do it you you I mean, it, it's kind of tough, but until you do it, you'll you'll start to get your rhythm and and your flow of of doing your podcast. That's true. That's true. This this other show that you mentioned, what was that? Because I don't know about this other show that you do. What? Oh no, it's just it's just one show. All <laughs> oh, right, because you mentioned one where you were talking about one about uh, women's empowerment. Correct. Or was that yeah, one? That... Or was that yeah? That was uh, one of the episodes um, that was uh, women empowerment and uh, feminism, which we we talk a lot about history and about uh, quotes in in that show. And we kind of just see how the uh, how the women empowerment movement um, moved across America from the 1800s all the way up until now. Uh, This year, we celebrated 100 years of uh women's suffrage in in the united states so that that was a pretty cool um that was a really unique episode considering that um it was the the centennial celebration for that i'm looking forward to getting to that episode i've only listened to the first two so far but i'll get there great yeah another another uh good episode that i just finished um was the drug paradox that one that one was the the weighted episode that i wanted to launch my very first couple of episodes so that that was a a weighted anticipated one and i want to actually do a series 
on the drug paradox and and throw in a couple of you know other other items and that was another forethought that I thought about after editing that show as well. So let's go into more detail on what you call the drug paradox. Explain what it is again. Okay, so the the drug paradox that I I kind of um, came up with was that the the degree in which drugs are painted in yep. in society and our culture. So there there's plenty plenty of drugs out there that the, the government paints as illegal and there's uh pharmaceuticals that paint drugs that they cure you so the meaning behind uh the drug paradox and uh we can quickly define paradox as something that is um pretty much an oxymoron like a you know something that is particularly good for you but also bad so yep. in in the drug paradox, I paint it as a what what I typically did with the drug paradox, I I just focused on uh, like surgic acid diethylamide, which is uh, LSD, and yep. I went behind I went behind in how the MK Ultra project started and the U.S. government back in the 1950s. And I kind of painted the picture of, of how lysergic acid um, kind of evolved and, and transformed uh, U.S. government and U.S. policy as far as um, uh, how they wanted to treat hallucinogenics. So okay. at the end of uh, 1968, they, they meaning the government, they they cut off all ties for uh, the project of MK Ultra. Yep. So they they were using it for well over what two decades, about twenty years, uh, even longer than that. And they they pretty they didn't they didn't know what what they did that what they did was they created the whole counterculture that. <laughs> that actually started to uh, protest and and advocate for these hallucinogens. And it was just a big um, hysteria that happened within the counterculture of America in the 1960s. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 truth, the truth behind it all that I, or from what I've heard before in Orton Red about, was that mm -hmm. it was used a lot by, was it used a lot by dentists? Right. Yeah. A lot uh, of back in the day, because 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 I, I know that that um, it was a dentist that introduced it to the Beatles, apparently. And they yeah. found out and they found out that. And yeah, apparently they went round to a, a friend's. I think it was John Lennon and George Harrison, the first ones. They, they went to a friend who was a dentist and he gave it them for the first time and then said to them, look, you know, but there's a famous story where they went there and they were going to a party or something afterwards. And the, the friend said to them, well, I think before you go, I think you ought to you ought to wait maybe a couple of hours or something before you leave, because because the effects of what I've what I've given you might, you know, might make it difficult for you driving and going to these places. But they still left. And then they mentioned about having these hallucinations uh, in, in that famous 
they, they even mention it in the uh, the Beatles uh, anthology uh, series of films as well. Um, okay. But yeah, they were saying that it was a dentist that introduced it to them, and I and I heard that it was by accident that they. It's almost like they gave a slightly higher dosage to themselves to get that high and get that hallucinogenic um, uh, response. So right, like exactly. So like like a lot of um, a lot of entheogens, uh, which are plant plant psychedelics, they in small doses they they work as a um, as a stimulant. But once you get like a larger, you start adding uh, a larger dose. Uh, they become uh, hallucinogenic. They become a little bit more than what they are at a smaller dose. Take, for instance, kratom. Uh, kratom is a uh, plant derivative, and small doses is a stimulant. But once you start uh, having a bigger dose, it, it acts more as a um, as a depressant. So yeah. uh, that that right now is. Kratom in the States is in a great area. Also, you can go to any any store and, and pick up Kratom. I just picked up some uh, the other day at a, at a flea market. Some guy, he was selling uh, some teas. And uh, I've tried it. Like, it, it, it's really good. It, it, it does act as a stimulant. And uh, it's pretty much just a, a, a large thing of coffee. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> pretty okay. much. It, it acts as as a, as a caffeine. Um, okay. Um, but that that's uh, that's kratom, and it's funny that you mentioned the Beatles and and um, you know English uh, types over there. Um, the actually the first person to turn um, to turn high. Oh, forgot his name what's his name what's his name um uh shoot let me let me get his name because i have the other guy michael have you heard uh michael hollings hollingshed hollingshead i've heard of him somewhere but i can't remember how i've heard of him he's um so he was let's see timothy leary i'm sorry so timothy leary Yeah, so Timothy Leary was was a psychologist uh, back in the 1960s that was advocating for uh, for acid. But the first person to turn that guy on to LSD was Michael Hollingshead. And he was a British researcher who studied uh, the psychedelic drugs, including psilocybin and LSD. So he okay. was he he was an English researcher at uh, the University of Harvard. Um so he he was pretty much the one to turn uh, Timothy Leary on to that. I mean, this researching all all the drug paradox and and the you know the derivatives from um, LSD and psilocybin, which is in magic mushrooms, it's it opens it opens so many things to. Uh, the CIA to uh, MK Ultra to to um, to many many different uh, like you were saying you know dentists it, there's so many odd figures and and odd organizations that that were were connected within this hallucinogenic you know 
back in back in the 60s and the 50s also that's true so it's yeah. it's pretty interesting i'm i i've been looking at this stuff for for some time now and it it just blows my mind it blows my mind i've i've i'm reading this book on uh latin america and once it starts talking about cuba it, it it blew my mind even more because they threw around the name Alan Dulles. Alan Dulles, he was the he was the longest uh, running director of the CIA, and he had uh, big business ties within Cuba back in the in the sixties. So after that, I'm just like, whoa, the, the, <laughs> this is getting this is getting too much. And I was telling my girlfriend over the phone, she was like, okay, you need to stop reading and you need to go to bed. <laughs> yes, yes. But is, is he the one that Air America is based upon? The which one was that? The the one where where basically the CIA were were running 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 drugs from from Cuba to America and it, vice versa. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So yep. uh, I I was telling her well about all these you know different connections and she's like okay all right you please don't go crazy please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I'm telling her I, I'm not going crazy. This is all this is all real stuff that uh, you know people don't really the the normal person doesn't really you know see. And I I feel that um, I feel that hey this is the information you you can choose whether to believe it or not. But here's here's the information. Here are the books that that are totally different away from each other written. And totally different decades, but they all say the same thing. They all say yep. the same. And uh, as, as a as, as a side note, the the Beatles then met uh, Timothy Leary, and Timothy Leary is the one who introduced uh, John Lennon to the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Correct, exactly. Yep. And uh, and of course that that because of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, you've got. You've got the John Lennon written song that is seen as one of the first big psychedelic songs, which would be "Tomorrow Never Knows," which oh, is yeah, which which quotes blatantly from the the Tibetan Book of the Dead as well. Right, and and with Timothy Leary, he I, I like what he did with uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead. He also uh, him and Richard Halpert, which later known as Ram Dass, he. Yeah. He, they both wrote uh, another book that was derived from the Tibetan Book of the Dead, but they, they characterized the psychedelic experience within the uh, written scripts of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. So they, they wrote the uh, psychedelic experience guidebook also yes. with that, which I, I have a copy of that. And I've, I've, I've read some of that stuff and it's just, it, it's mind blowing how, much detail he goes into with the psychedelic experience. Yeah, I've, I've got I've got a copy of the, that book in my archive somewhere as well. Yeah. Right, right. So, um, I mean, with even with the uh, psychedelic music uh, coming into uh, pop culture in the nineteen sixties, it has largely inspired that whole group of of music you know starting with the beatles with them writing the the um sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band 
and yeah. and revolver and coming from that too is the rolling stones and uh your i can't remember your majesty's uh, oh, satanic the, the, what is yeah, it the, the satanic majesties yeah exactly yeah yep. exactly and, and also goats had soup as well that i'm sorry what was that i think their other album goats had soup was around that period as well with and was influenced by it exactly exactly so um ton, tons of music coming from that from that era uh as opposed to to um to the others i mean it it reflected drug induced states uh through feedback through electronics intense volume um play the the playback and ton, tons of great stuff I mean, just even with the art too, what they did with, uh, which it, it really flopped the um, Magic Mystery Tour. I I read somewhere yep. that it, it didn't do as well as well. The film didn't do as well as uh, Hard Day's Night and and all the others. No, but then again, there's a long, long history of the arts being inspired or influenced by drug culture because you've got even going as far back as poets like like Byron and writers such as Shelley and those people, they all famously explored the drug culture. Exactly. Even, even with uh, Aldous Huxley, he, um, he, he was the, he was the guy that wrote the uh, doors of perception. Yes. Which, which I also included in the drug paradox. I I just gave a little clip about, um, about, uh, how the doors from Venice Beach, California, how they they derived their um, their band name, the Doors, from Aldous Huxley's "The Doors of, of Paradox." I mean, the, excuse me, the Doors of Perception. Yeah, yeah, but then again, I mean that that would possibly be from Jim Morrison because he was famously somebody who liked to. Well, he wasn't the only member of the Doors that it, it, that that used drugs. That's that's for sure. Oh well, yeah, he's, he's a well-known advocate. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Great, great band. Also, I mean, absolutely, a lot of, yes, yeah. a lot of great uh, bands coming out of um, of the even the the bands coming out of the British invasion of the U.S. Yes, of the U.S. Yep. market yep. and and yep. folk rock, also. Yep. That's true. Well, you know, I mean, you, you, you had Crosby, Stills and Nash. You had Graham Nash from, from the British group, The Hollies, came over to, to right. America, to California, and joined David Crosby and Stephen Stills to make that band. Yep. Yep, The Hollies. Yeah. Um, oh, what was that song? Uh, Bus Stop? That's got to be yes. like one. Of, yeah. That's got to be like one. Of, I know it's not from the psychedelic era, but no. um, that, that whole mod scene also from... From um, from British culture, also that that was that was actually written by Graham Goldman out of the band Ten CC. If you know them, really? No, I didn't. Yes, I didn't know. Yes, that. He, he wrote a lot of very famous songs for other bands and artists in the late sixties. So you've got that, and another really famous one that uh, would that you might know might be uh, "For Your Love" by the Yardbirds. Oh yes, yes. That yes. that is also a Graham Gold- Goldman song as well, one really? that he wrote. Yes. Huh. What what yeah. group was he originally from? 
I can't remember what group he was in in the 60s, but I do know that he joined, he was part of the, the group 10CC, who were a bit of an art rock band in the 1970s, um, uh, who had a couple of hits in America, but were more famous in the UK. You'd probably know I'm Not In Love by 10CC. I would have oh, thought. okay. That's, that's, that's one of their most famous ones over there, I think. But um, Right. Yeah. Yeah, even even to bring up uh, more British rock bands, uh, the Cream. Yep. Formed formed in London. Um. Lots of lots of great stuff. I know Jimmy's or- originally from the U.S., but he he got most of his um, uh, most most of his his hits were in London before he coming back to the states and and yeah. gaining popularity over here. He was, he was over there uh, rocking out um, with yeah, his. It's just, yeah, it's a strange one that with with Jimmy because he he had a career in America, but right, but then, so I mean, he was he was a guitarist for hire in went in the states, mm-hmm. uh, so did a lot of sessions for people such as Chuck Berry, and uh, Little Richard, and um, but then when he came over to the UK, he wanted to be a solo artist anyway. And then it seemed to just, it seemed to just be in the right place at the right time where he met um, was it Chas Chandler that was in the Animals, and exactly. who became the manager, and then suddenly he became the Jimi Hendrix that we know. It's it's a strange thing. It was almost like it was there, but somebody needed to unlock that potential from him, and it's exactly. almost like he needed to come to the UK for that to happen. And to meet, you know, Eric Clapton and to meet the Beatles and to meet all these people for that to come into to happen. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he did that because if if he didn't do that, who who knows if we would have had the Jimi Hendrix that we knew today if That's he would have stood in the States. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad I'm glad for that, definitely. And I'm glad uh for the guy from uh the animals to to help him out and do that and manage him. As, so am I. I think they were a perfect team, the both of them together. Because I've seen, I've seen documentaries, and he seems like they had a real, really good bond, friendship between them, and it worked for them both. I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah. What do you think of the situation with Kamala Harris as vice president? Do you think that's a good thing for the future of women? in uh, well in the world in america and the empowerment of women i when i think kamala harris so she, yeah, she I, is, I don't i don't normally go into politics but i thought i'd just mention it because of it being a basically she is an empowered woman now oh yeah definitely yeah it, she's not only empowers women but she also empowers women of color when i bring yes. When I bring up or when her name comes up in, in a lot of the conversations within politics, she, she's, a, she's a woman of first. She's a woman of um, uh, first woman that's going to be uh, vice president-elect, first Indian woman of color as vice president-elect, first black American being vice president elect. So there's, she has all these firsts. And then not only, well, I I can say this, not only 
she is the first woman of color being a vice president, but she's also a first woman coming from California that is going to be in the White House also. So that's a big win for California. She she grew up in, in Oakland, I believe, or some some part in, in the Bay Area. And that, that's also a big win for not only uh, women, women of color, people of color, but also um, people of color coming from California going into politics also. So that, that's, a huge, that's a huge win for the empowerment of uh, the state of California also. Not only that, she, she does have some, have some big plans for decriminalizing um, marijuana also. So uh, not only uh, marijuana, but just uh, the, not hallucinogens, but just uh, drugs in general in the state of California. And possibly we can see that in a federal, a federal state too, uh, not to mention uh, Oregon has also de- decriminalized uh, hallucinogens and all drugs in, in Oregon also. So there's a huge shift going on uh, politically along with uh, entheogens and just drugs in general here in the United States. Uh, I love to see that. And it's great. There's a big pivotal change going on right now. Definitely. I really hope that having her in that position will push things further on with the racial problems that that there are and with the, the, the still obvious signs of sexism here and there in in the world as well right yeah and then it pushes the envelope of uh just being altogether progressive within the political um the political climate that we are in now yeah and i think with things as they are currently at the moment with all people's minds being on the of i mean understandably on the the coronavirus the covid19 I think that's a nice thing for them, for them to be able to look into that, but also say, look, we've got that, but we're also looking into the race issue. We're looking into the, the way that women are treated, the way that all the LGBTQ and all these things, we're looking into all these things. I think that is a really good move forward that will make people more positive about the future because at the moment all the news is about is about this disease and I think the world actually needs more positivity there from the people in power. Yes, exactly. And it all comes down from from the top. I mean, no, water falls down from the top. So um, as soon as we get our uh, positive minds together within the top, starting with the top officials within government, all that's going to then a it's going to come down and rain down and hopefully be spread with among the common folk. So I think uh, that is a great thing for, for women and it's a great thing for people of color and it's all a progressive move that I hope that um, our country will, will make a big shift in, in uh, being progressive. So it's all, it's all positive, all positive. Absolutely, absolutely. So what other podcast do you listen to yourself? Myself? Uh, yep. 
let's see, let me pull in my. So the podcast that I usually listen, like I, of course I mentioned uh, Joe Rogan, but for, as for Joe's podcast, I, I pretty much pick and choose on who he has on the show as far as yeah. like guests. And I pick and choose on those. Um, another podcast I listen to is the daily by the New York times. That one, that one's a cool one. Also, okay. th- those are the big, the big, um, big name podcasts that I listen to. I've, I've listened to your podcast and I enjoy it. Thank you very much. Um, I listen to uh, Psychedelics Today, which is a podcast about um, uh, the psychedelic community. And I, I actually was going to base my 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 podcast, the Mind Buzz podcast, on on the way they set up theirs. But I kind of wanted to go into a little bit more freeform podcasting style, so I kind yep. of veered away from from that one and I'm finding new podcasts every day and, and it, there's millions and millions out there. And it's just, I wish I can listen to them all. <laughs> I, I really so do. do, I. So do I, I. There's, there's only, only so many minutes in, you know, in the day that you can, you can listen to podcasts. If I can throw my headphones on and listen to them while I'm sleeping, let's go grab my headphones. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, that, yeah, we've only got 24 hours in the day, you know, not like Star Trek universe where there's 26 hours in a day. <laughs> right? I mean, I having 26 would be awesome. Even if there was like some kind of device that we can, you know, plug into our brain and we can just podcast in our head and hit the record button. I mean, I'm all for that. So hopefully Elon Musk or somebody comes up with something like that. Or even if we're in the car, we can just hit the record button and podcast in the car. That's where he's I get prob- most of my ideas. <laughs> he's probably already already recording shows in his head, ready. Right. And then exactly. he's going to surprise people, you know, Elon Musk, and he'll just put them out there for everybody eventually when he's done them all. <laughs> probably. You'll think I mean, of podcasting in your head and it will just appear online. That is pretty cool that'd be kind of scary i'd have to have a lot of censorships on mine yes me too too. (laughs) (laughs) what advice would you give to new podcasters gil uh to new podcasters um don't don't look at numbers don't look at stats don't compare yourself i i like to throw around the the three c's in my podcast, which is condemnation, comparison, and complaining. So when you start to compare yourself to different podcasts, that's, I think that's a big no-no because you're comparing yourself to your beginning, to somebody's middle. And there's always going to be a friction within looking at yourself like oh look at i barely have you know three followers and this person has a million or a thousand or even 100 you you've already you've already lost in in my sense so my biggest thing would probably not to compare yourself to to another podcast 
Yeah, that, that's great. That that no. that's in agreement with. I don't know if you heard the one, but the first show that I did, that's exactly what Robbie of um, Out of the Blank was basically saying. Right. He, he was saying if you um, connect with even ten people or whatever, then you've connected with those ten people that they hadn't connected with before. So he's just saying that he said so numbers. He said the numbers don't bother about. He says just bother about putting the content out there. And people will listen. That's what he says. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Perfect. Perfectly said. Yeah. I mean, as for me, like, I I would put up my I put up my first podcast and my my very first episode. Actually, I I did the first three. I did them all within a span of of one week, and when I was ready to to actually start the podcast, I had three episodes already ready to go, ready to download. So um, with that, I, I was seeing a slow return in, in listeners and I was beating myself up for a week, week and a half. And I was like, I, I got to get another episode. I got to I got to do something. I got to make an Instagram. I got to make a Twitter. I, I, have, I have to yeah. do something, but I was, fretting about you know getting the content on different platforms and doing all these different types of stuff of marketing and stuff but you know what I was missing Marv I was missing the whole key point in doing the podcast and that's your content that's yes. that's how yeah. that that's the meat uh, of course marketing is is one and um you know getting your stuff out there that that's that's also a, a point, but you can get them to your your podcast. But if your your content is not in there, if your if your whole you know theme of your of your the whole theme of your show podcast is not yeah if it's not if it's not there then then what do you have? So of course, because it's 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 always there, isn't it? Now that you've put it out there. It's mm-hmm. there, so the listeners will come because, it, you know, even maybe a month down the line, two months, or some shows, you know, I'm, I'm listening to now that people mm-hmm. recorded years ago, you know, listening to them, and they'll they'll have probably forgotten about those episodes. <laughs> right. But they're there, so you've got those listeners there. Even in the future, they'll be able to listen to the show. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're time-traveling pretty much right. we're, we're going we're back yep. yeah exactly uh, that's one of the points that i usually uh bring up and and uh when i have like returning when i have returning guests on my show i tell them hey guys welcome uh to the mind buzz uh you probably listened to uh you know episode three well we're episode nine now and i have andy here again with me or or something fun like that you know yeah. um i i try to stay keep try to have fun with it pretty much on, on the show and learning something in the middle of the show or at the beginning or the, the end. I mean, to have, to project that, that, uh, the education on there and the self positivity on there is, is what we like to do. That's great. So where can people find out more about you and the, uh, the show then Gil? On, you can definitely go to uh, Spotify. I'm on Spotify, the Mind Buzz, uh, Apple Podcast. 
uh, Instagram. I've I've uh, done some cool graphics on there, made some cool clips yeah, on there um, on the Instagram. So that's uh, the Mind Buzz podcast on Instagram as well. And then I'm I'm generally on all the the platforms also. Okay. Thank you very much for talking with me, Gil. And thank you to everybody for listening and hope you listen again to pods like us. Have you been to the dentist today or have you still got to go? Oh, no. I, I That was my first stop this morning was the dentist. How did it go? Did it go okay? I did well. Uh, I was there maybe about a day ago. So it, it worked out pretty good. And they good. had me to come. They had me come back. So um, everything checks out fine. Yeah, I was kind of worried about the whole COVID thing going to the dentist, but uh, I figure this is the time to go. Nobody's going. But when I went, I mean, there's, there's tons of people there. So <laughs> uh, you can't wow. win. <laughs> and there you are trying to keep out the way of people. <laughs> Socially exactly. distancing. Yes. Yeah, no, there's no social, social distancing at all. Not no. even at the dentist. <laughs> oh, okay. Lovely. Yes. All right. So um, you've you've not been going for long either with with your show. No, not at all. Um, I've been going about a couple of months. So I started going, doing the whole podcasting thing in yep. in July, I believe. Do you know what, girl? We'll we'll start the show officially, shall we? Okay. Oh yeah, sure. If that's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I, I, just thought, I was, I was waiting for questions. a bell or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a bell. That's what I need. Martin Quabell needs a bell. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. All right, Martin. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm sorry about all the uh, the trouble at the beginning. Oh, no worries. That, that's that's always it's something we, we learn. So how... um. So you're you're on your phone doing the I'm, recording? I'm, I'm doing this on my phone at the moment, and it's recorded it to the cloud. Really? Yes. That's a, that's amazing. It will be if it works. <laughs> if it works, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be calling you again. If if not, that's fine. Um, yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. I mean, even to bring you on to the Mind Buzz, that would be yeah. awesome too. If yep, you like I'm up to for do that. that. Yep, that's fine. Yep. That'd be great. Yep. Just try and fit it around my shift pattern, which is very strange because I'm a night shift worker. And oh, I never you are? get week I never get weekends off. Really? No. Got it. Okay. Okay. Um okay. Wow, that's amazing. Can you hear me? Yep, now I can. How you doing, Marv? 
Not bad. How are you? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, considering. <laughs> Same here. But although, you know, the lockdown doesn't really change things for me because I'm still working. So because oh, we're locked really? down again over in the UK. That's what I heard. Uh, what, yeah. What's the what's the deal with that? I think it's because the numbers are going up uh, quite a lot. So they've just thought that cutting down on people meeting up, they're hoping yeah. that that might cut down on the numbers, hopefully. Oh, okay. I see. Right. Which, I mean, do, do you see a uh, change in numbers after, after they do lockdown or what's your, what's your point of view on that? What's my point of view on that? It's, yeah. it's a strange one really, because, because of the gestation of the, or supposed gestation of the, the virus, mm-hmm. they said that it can take a couple of weeks for symptoms to, Right. to appear so what you've got there is they'll do the lockdown but really they need to wait a couple of weeks at least to see if the numbers see what happens with the numbers which which is probably why they've done it for four weeks really because they're thinking if we leave it for four weeks then we'll see where it is then when it's had the time to actually all the cases to appear that are there and then we'll see what the numbers are like at that point i suppose right. that's how they're doing it it makes right. sense no, of course. Yeah, there there's some uh there's some like jet lag with some time between yeah. uh the incubation period from person to person. So, yeah, do they give you like a um like a uh set amount of time that they're going to be locked down or they just say, "Okay, everybody's locked down and we'll let you know when to come out." Right. When they when they put England or the UK on lockdown, at the towards the beginning of the year in March, that was an indefinite time. Uh, they'd not given a specific time for that, and it, and it lasted for a long time as well. I think it lasted from March, and we started to then we went into a tier system in July. Right, right. Um, so March, April, May, June, July. So that was four months, I think, nearly that that lasted for. Wow. Um. And this one, they've given it four weeks, although I personally think that's probably more to do with financial reasons than any other. What, right. what with Christmas, you know, with it being the lead up to Christmas. So that's the big financial, everybody goes shopping and buys presents, isn't it? So that, that exactly. might be the cynic, that might be the cynic in me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's all critical thinking, Marv, <laughs> right? It is. <laughs> you, you, you know, I, I suppose the, 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 it, it's you know it's a well used adage, but they are sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place where they've got to think of people's health, but the finance of the country also has to be has to be has to be looked into right. as well because they need money to keep everything afloat. Right, right, right. and that's the yeah, same with that's... governments all over the world, I suppose. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. Even for even for orange people are orange. With 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 funny blonde supposed hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I I can tell you, Marv. Um, it just I I feel so fortunate to be living in in this time period uh, that we are in human history. Because uh, I got to tell you, there's a lot of things going on. <laughs> uh, yes, one there are. This is probably got to be the most, I don't know if it's the most interesting uh, presidential election for the United States 
or I it's it I knew that something was gonna something was bound to happen with uh considering the pandemic and the economic uh state that the world is in and especially you know California that it's in yes. and it's just it's amazing. Yeah it's amazing. Yeah. It's great to be a writer and a content creator and a podcaster around this time. So uh, it is. It is. I mean, I, I was saying I uh, recorded a show with. I don't know if you noticed. I did a show with the people who do what is it? The film program, Lo- uh, Lost and Found and Rewound, and they're, they're from okay. the states. They're okay, they're, cool. they're, sen- they're from the central uh, central states. I can't remember whereabouts. And I was saying to them that because they mentioned the film, oh, I think it was the Last Man on Earth or something, mm-hmm. and. Uh, there's a scene in that or whatever where there's all these vans and they're basically just full of dead bodies in the building like this enormous trench and just burying bodies in there. And and I said to them, I said, when they mentioned that film in passing, I said, when you mentioned that, I said, it made me think about the, the film from the footage from New York with those where they built that trench and they just they just put all those those coffins with people in in this right. trench in New York, didn't they? And I said, I said, it's, it's a horrific uh, thing to see, but also what's horrific is the fact that the person in charge almost ignores that, that all of this is going on to a degree. Right. Exactly. And, and, and even with uh, the George Orwell uh, book, uh, 19 was that 1984, just all the, yeah. all the similarities from from that book and uh you you look at current events it's like um you know it's it's strange is it life imitating art or is it the latter or art imitating life yeah i always thought that george orwell was probably 10 15 years too soon (laughs) i think it was more like 1995 or 1999 when all of the uh, when all of the big brother states started to come into being, so we should we say, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Did, also thinking about if if he's a uh, if he's some sort of time traveler. That's what they say too about um, the creator of uh, the Simpsons. How there's some uh, predictive programming going on within the Simpsons, also. Yeah, That's it's a strange one, but sometimes. It's these things happen though, because like I was saying about those people I talked to the other the other night, same program again where I was talking to those that do that film uh-huh. program, and and they were saying how that one of their show or most of their shows they recorded those last year before the lockdown. Really? So they they they're releasing episode. They released an episode the other week about the film The President's Analyst, and in passing they mentioned Sean Connery, but that episode was was recorded last year at the tail end around November, December. And it's just coming Whoa. out now. And they've mentioned Sean Connery in passing. Wow. You know, and they all show, and who else did they mention? They mentioned Eddie, Eddie Van Halen in the same episode. Whoa. And it was like, wow. <laughs> you, you don't realize, you, cause, because, because all these things that, like our show, you know, we're recording it now. It'll be out. Well, this one's been out next week, but one I recorded earlier on, that's not coming out until <laughs> until end of January, beginning of February. Uh-huh. But people listening don't realise that these things are said before time and they just think, oh, that's a bit timely that you've mentioned that. But there's yeah, no, they didn't intend it to be at all. 
It's mm-hmm. so strange. It is strange. Fabry acid. It is. Yeah. It's a bit like um, oh, Leonardo da Vinci basically inventing the helicopter over 200 years before it came out. Oh right, yes. With all the with all his his different art, there, there's there's quite a few actually in yeah. um and around his time, and a lot of a lot of people speculate that there were ancient aliens that uh, he wanted he depicted uh, ancient aliens in his paintings. So at the, <laughs> ancient astronauts, they're they're calling them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then he then he ends up appearing in uh, Star Trek Voyager with the with the helicopter pictures and that that he made as well. Oh yeah, yeah. that's. Right. <laughs> I've got Star Trek in again. <laughs> oh man! Right, get get, in, get into the bones of, uh, of why we're talking then. After okay. I cancel this phone call. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Let me do the same to mine. It's, it's because it's because this is a phone for alarms to come through. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, just, that's, that's just a check call. It's not an alarm. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no. I'm okay. Thanks. Bye. The even funnier thing about that is, that is actually somebody that listens to the show. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. One of my work colleagues listens to every episode. How awesome. Now that is an absolute keeper. <laughs> Definitely. That is definitely a keeper for the show. That is going in there. That is, yeah. People people need to hear that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Gil, thank you very much for that. I'll catch up with you again, my friend. All right, Marv. We'll see you. Thank you. You you take care. Stay safe. You do the same. You take do the care. same. Bye. Thanks, pal. Bye. Bye.